0: Hello everyone, this is Raise Your Voice, part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and on today's show, we will be talking about how the Rays are shrinking the roster from 28 to 26, we will name some April superlatives, take a look ahead at the upcoming West Coast road trip, and raise our voices about a couple of different topics. So, joining me to discuss all of that is D-Rays Bay senior writer, Jared Ward. Jared, welcome back to Raise Your Voice.
1: Thank you so much for having me back, Brett. I am excited to be here on Razor Voice, and uh, uh, a not a great start, but I'm also not too disappointed with the, with the start overall. I'm I'm, I'm excited moving forward. So, uh, but I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it would have been nice to get the series win against Minnesota at home, but they, hey, they got it done against the Mariners, and that's more mm-hmm. than I was expecting, especially after the way that first game went. I was like, oh no, we're getting swept. The Twins <laughs> are going to come in and take two out of three. And here comes the spiral. But, no, they go 500 for the week. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, I think I'm, I'm satisfied. It could be better, but it could be a lot worse, right? You look at Boston and how, how poorly they're performing. And I think we'll talk a little bit about them later on in the rest of the division. But first, I think the biggest news right now is that Josh Lowe has been optioned to AAA. Um, he started the year on the big league roster. Technically, his option was already used um, because they optioned him from camp. So the option was already used for the season, but he is sent down to triple A. We knew that this incoming uh, ro- this roster crunch was incoming and I wasn't expecting anybody from the position player side to be sent down. But if somebody were to be sent down, given the injuries they've got, given the depth they've got right now, I guess Josh Lowe makes the most sense. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, it was kind of a shock uh, to to first hear. It, um but you know he's been he's been struggling as of late. He hit his first home run with with Cleveland, uh, which is good to see. But there, uh, you know, there's some concerns with him being able to hit uh, major league fastballs, uh, and you know maybe just some time fine tuning, uh, getting more reps in, and Triple A. And like you said, with the depth, um, you know, with G-Man Choi going on the D- on the on the DL and Wander having some some quad tightness issues i think it's um you know you got to deal from position of depth and uh, i think josh was just kind of the odd man out
0: yeah he's uh through 18 games i don't think that's including today's game which he did double in actually now mm-hmm. i do have his 2022 numbers now throw so through 71 plate appearances a 188 batting average 257 on base 344 slug a 79 WRC plus. So not good.
1: Not what we expected.
0: No, but it's also early, like first hundred plate mm-hmm. appearances. You know, last year, I know he made his big league debut, but this is really his first time in the show. Um, 38 point, uh, 38% strikeout rate, Um, 27 strikeouts to six walks. It, it's been a struggle. Uh, But yeah. with that being said, like, I mean, w- he's got more plate appearances than most guys on this team. He is, fifth on the team in plate appearances the like Kevin Cash kept playing him kept plugging him in and I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of what we were expecting you know the Austin Meadows trade happens and also Isak Paredes who came over in that trade he's up with the big league squad for now um, as G-Man Troy goes on the IL Um, but Paredes is up low goes down and it's gonna take time I don't know I think this will probably be a short shorter stay Maybe once they get through this road trip, he could be right back up. Those 10 days will have been passed. He could come back up. The, the, they need pitching right now, so it wouldn't shock me for maybe a couple of games or you know for a week in this road trip they go with a, a 14-12 split because I don't really know what that next move. It looks like another pitcher is going to get moved. My guess would be Duggar, the guy that threw today, hit up like five and a third innings, a bunch of pitches, struck out seven guys, looked pretty good. But but Josh Lowe, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not worried about him as a player. This is a guy, though, that I'm like, I've never thought was going to come up and be a superstar. He had problems with the strikeout throughout every level of the minors, really. And so to see him come up and struggle initially doesn't shock me. Um, I'm not concerned about what he can add to this team throughout the season. Do you, do you have any concerns that he's just not going to have a, a, a full-time spot with his team at all during this season?
1: I mean, I don't I I think that's tough because I think just based on the rotating the outfielders we have between Kiermaier and Phillips Margot or Rosarena, you know, Josh does seem to be that odd man out. Um, but I do think he'll he'll get more chances in the future just to help with those guys. Um, especially I mean especially if one of them gets injured. He's the first one, first one to come up um on that list. But I think that um you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Like you said, strikeouts are, are were a struggle throughout the minor leagues. I think he whiffed on, uh, according to uh, Baseball Savant, he whiffed on almost 50% of uh, four-seam fastballs in, in uh, 2022. And that was uh, over 114 pitches. So I think major league pitchers are, are figuring him out. So I do think he needs to find some sort of adjustment, whether it's sacrificing power, uh, to just get some contact on a, on those fastballs or and not trying to sell out every time. I actually think he was more, it, it, from the eye test, it seemed like he was more passive at the plate. Um, but I don't think he's, um, it's a concern um, of getting more time. I think he'll definitely have more uh, another opportunity in the future.
0: Yeah, and he'll go to AAA. He'll start every game. I mean, mm-hmm. he's pretty much doing that with the Rays. Even like, didn't matter if it was a lefty. He was hitting in the middle of the lineup a lot of days. He moved into the cleanup spot for, for this first game against Minnesota this week and like you said, got that home run. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think now, you know, the other move, I'm expecting it's Robert Duggar. Like I said, he threw five and a third out of relief on Sunday, which means he wouldn't be available until the weekend, right? Against yep. um, who do we have on the weekend? It's it's Oakland the first three games and then Seattle before they go to Anaheim to play the Angels.
1: It's Seattle on on the weekend. Yeah, Seattle so yeah,
0: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and so Duggar wouldn't he he wouldn't even be available until then. So my guess is, and they're gonna need to make forty man move for when a uh, mm-hmm. forty man move for when Francisco Mejia comes in. That was one thing I forgot is that the COVID IL. I didn't you know I, I knew we'd probably deal with it in some capacity this season. Didn't think it was going to be as much as kind of what we've seen around the league. I know the Rays coaching staff has been hit really hard with it. Only a couple players you saw. Yandy Diaz, I believe it was Jeffrey Springs for a day or two, just mm-hmm. if they were feeling symptoms just to get tested. And then Francisco Mejia, who who did test positive, Cash said he was vaccinated and boosted. And, and we haven't seen that first Toronto road trip where we'll really see no. uh, if everybody on this team is vaccinated or not. You saw the Red Sox out on, bringing, on being able to bring a couple players with them north of the border. Um, but Cash said, yeah, Mejia was vaccinated and boosted and just came down with it. And was feeling a little sick, so he's gonna—he's um, finally medically cleared now. He's gonna go down to Port Charlotte to get some. I guess they're probably playing some intra-squad extended spring workouts mm-hmm. there um, at the complex in Port Charlotte. And sounds like he, he could come back uh, this as early as in a couple days. So you'd expect Rene Pinto to then be optioned back down to Durham, and Francisco Mejia to take his spot if they add another position player at some point before Josh Lowe is eligible to come back, which is 10 days, unless there's an injury. I mean, who, who would you think would, would it be a Vidal Brujan? Would it be a, a a Luke Rayleigh? Who who do you think would could come up to make it a 1313 position player pitcher split? I think, I mean, Vidal
1: Brujan, I think is the next one line behind Josh Lowe. And I think, um, and Isak Paradas, I'm excited to see him, um, especially with the way he was. Just, I feel like he was destroying Triple A uh, pitching. But I think Vidal uh, Bruhan would probably be the next one up, unless um, and, and he has that flexibility. Even if they wanted to play him in the outfield, he has that flexibility to play all around the diamond. Well, to the little left side of the diamond and in then in and the, in the outfield. So I think um, I think he would probably be the next one up.
0: Yeah, that that would make the most sense. Luke Rayley is a possibility if you want that left-handed hitting outfielder, but at the same time, you just sent one down. So I don't mm-hmm. think that's a great fit right now, but maybe if you need an extra player before those 10 days.
1: Yeah, within those 10 days, I would guess Vidal Bruhan because he can't play the outfield if needed.
0: And, and also, he was just up, so it's got to be 10 days for him yeah. as well since oh, he's a lost mm-hmm. options. I think we'll... That, that'll happen this week. Cause it was last Sunday, I think, was his last game. I was at that game and saw him there. Um, but, yeah, Isak Paredes comes up as G. Montroy goes on the IL. He has loose bodies in his elbow. So uh, it's not as bad as you it sounds, or at least not as bad as it is for for pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> um, had our fair share of problems with loose bodies in the elbow. It sounds like G. is going to be okay. It's not going to be a super long stay on the IL but these things are almost never 10 days, right? They're never the minimum. They sold, they said that Ryan Yarbrough was going to be on there for a minimum. He's still on the IL <laughs> and, you know, hopefully he's back this week, but we'll see. Uh, but for now, it sounds like you'll get Yandy Diaz. You'll get mm-hmm. um, Harold Ramirez at first base. And Isak Paredes is going to come up and get more plate appearances, whether that be at third. He came into the lineup today with the other injury concern, Wander Franco, mm-hmm. that, that quad just feeling tight again
1: which i mean i know i know vidal just went down as well but you know with with wander maybe needing a few extra days off that's another person that can help i oh, fill fill that with either taylor the walls moving over or vidal taking over um or even isak uh i'm not sure if he's played in as much shortstop or third base yeah, as he has in other positions. But
0: I have a question for you, Wander Franco. So we saw him scratched from a game in Chicago, and that one I fully believe precautionary. It was like snowing that night. I think that any of the the core star players, if they felt anything might be wrong with them, if they sneezed and their back tightened up just a little bit, just take the night off. Don't risk it in this weather. But you see him get scratched again today with right it's right hamstring tightness. And I've said, and I knock on wood every time I say it, whenever I see Wander run out a ground ball <laughs> or chase down a ball into the outfield, which we've seen him do multiple times this season, it looks like he's going to pull a hammy. And I get extremely nervous. Is this something – are you worried about this? Do you think the team is worried about this? And do you think we could see a, an IL stint as more, more of a proactive move as early as tomorrow?
1: I mean, maybe, but can the Rays really afford an IL stint for their, you know, one of their top, top players? I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think the Rays take injury very seriously. And I think if it was something that warranted an IL stint, they would do it. But I think just rotating those days off and and just keeping an eye on it. And if, you know, don't, don't run hard on those, on those grounders, um, you know, that I think that that's that's the direction unless we see something further or he injures it further.
0: I think I'd like to see some more off days mixed in. I think that's going to mm-hmm. be one of the solutions is, wouldn't shock me if he's off again tomorrow, first game on that road trip, give him that extra day off.
1: Maybe maybe he pinched it late, later in the game or something, but I think if we, if it was a, a serious injury or warranted an I.O. stint, they would take it. But even then, at, at this point, I'm not sure if the race can, can afford, afford it right now.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you can't afford the IL stint. Oh, they, they could, but it would hurt. Uh, but the day-to-day, like you look at yeah. the lineup today, and I know today's game didn't go well, but you bring Paredes up, and I am really interested to see what he can do. Because like you said, he was crushing AAA pitching. It's what he did last year in AAA. It's when he comes up to the big leagues, that's kind of been the, the issue thus far in his career, or at least it was in Detroit. He's only played one game. He went one for four, got that infield single today. I'd love to see him play a lot more this week. I don't know how they're going to fit him in there. But I'm looking forward to it. But Taylor Walls, who's having, I know we had a throwing error to start the game today, and that kind of uh, set everything in motion for what was a miserable game, a 9-3 Twins victory. Uh, But he's hitting a lot better than I was expecting to start the year. Um, His defense has looked good still. Um, You know, I don't mind. If Wander gets one day off every two weeks just scheduled, or maybe once every 10 days, Um, To have Taylor Walls in there at shortstop in the lineup more often, I would take that rather than an IL stint that lasts three weeks to just you know make sure that everything's healed up. So we'll see. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if we see a Wander IL move tomorrow. I hope not. I hope he's with the team. I hope he's starting. Yeah, me too. I
1: I I would. That that is the last thing the Rays need is Wander to go in the on the aisle but you know if if it's what's needed it's what's needed then i guess get it out of the way now versus you know later later in the year
0: yeah uh the the other move if if they did move on or not move on from uh demote another pitcher um after robert duggar my guess was it would be phoenix sanders although colin Pochet could be in that mix um you've seen such good stuff from everybody in this race bullpen it's really been
1: incredible yeah, it's really been incredible. And you know, the, the one game I was covering over the weekend was the one where the bullpen actually imploded because <laughs> they've been they've been so good up until um, really yesterday's game. And even with these just people that come out of nowhere, um, but you know what, the Rays the Rays get them for a reason. Uh, but I have been really impressed with uh, with with Phoenix Sanders, Jason Adam too. I know Danny kind of hinted at him and wanted to cover him. Earlier this uh, this season, but I've been really impressed with him as well. Um, and I this year, I mean, my probably my favorite bullpen piece this year has been JP Fireisen. Um You kind of seen the reason why the Rays uh, went after him uh, last off season.
0: Yeah, I mean, Fireisen's really stepped up. He he might be the best pitcher thus far. Adam hasn't given up a hit all season. I don't think uh, the Rays are seventh so. in bullpen ERA. They've got a two nine nine ERA keeping the walks down, strikeout numbers look good. And and, and that's par for the course for the Rays, right? And I know you look at the injured list and you see guys on there like Nick Anderson, JT Chagua, and Pete Fairbanks, and you're like, well, those are three guys that you'd expect to get a lot of high-leverage situations if healthy. They're all out, but next man up. You look, Brooks Raley, the guy they brought in, they've used him, I think, less than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. He looked good. Every time he's out there, Andrew Kittredge continues to pitch very well. Matt Whistler, Ryan Thompson, Jeffrey Spring. I mean, the list goes on and on. Everybody, nobody has gone out there and just gotten shelled. Um, but I would expect Sanders or Poche to be, if they go to that 13-13 split, that would be the, the next bullpen pitcher to go. Um, but I'm not worried too much about it. I think these things usually work themselves out. Uh, or there's like an injury. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I hope it's not <laughs> that. Uh, let's We've already kind of been talking about the, the the month of April in general, but we are into May now recording on May 1st, um, and I just kind of want to talk about where we're at, where the team's at, who's kind of stood out as the top performers, biggest surprises, and some guys that are off to a slow start. Um, so the Rays are 12 and 10 right now. They are third place in the American League East and four games back of the division leading Yankees who are 16 and 6, 10 games over 500 most wins in the big leagues to this point. Uh, But the Rays are in third, and I think, like we said, there's things that could be better. The bats have gone a little cold, still very early, not hitting the panic button, not even close. Uh, But let's start off with, who do you think, and this can be an easy answer because I think it is, who do you think the best performer on this Rays team has been through the month of April?
1: I mean, it's got to be, G- it's got to be G- Man Troy Like the dude's been, the dude's been on fire.
0: <laughs> he has and the, that's why this injury. And I, I hope it's a very short stint, but it's like, damn, G-Man Troy has been. The, he's got the highest WRC plus on the team, 226, a 357 batting average, a 491 on base percentage and a 595 slug. I mean, just incredible numbers.
1: And, and he's, strike, he's striking out 32% of the time and walking almost 21% of the time. It's just, it's, it's crazy.
0: He, he's been really fun to watch. And he was one of those guys, remember, like the, that for the, all the arbitration eligible players, he agreed to a deal with the Rays before the lockout. I think he was the only one to do so, mm-hmm. or one of very few. And last year, after having gone to arbitration and had a bunch of stints on the IL, didn't look his best. Was still fine to come out this year looking good. I remember he was posting some pictures on his Instagram. The calves are looking lean. He's looking yeah, good. And he
1: got to go. He got to go back to his. I think he went back to his calisthenics coach yes. in Korea, in South Korea. He got to do all of. Um, so he got to get his stretching in, which I know was an issue in the twenty twenty, uh, the twenty twenty one offseason. But just I just pulled up his Savant page, and I just am we were shocked at the numbers, but average exit velocity, 99 percentile, uh, barrel percentage, 97th percentile, hard hit percentage, 96th, uh, walk percentage, which we knew. He's, I, I, I posted this on Twitter the other day, but him and Yanni Diaz, I feel like, know the strike zone better than the actual umpires, 99% on on walk percentage. K, uh, strikeout percentage is down, eleven percentile. Chase rate is 99th percentile. Uh, With percentage is 46% so right in the middle and max exit velocity is 76% Like those are elite numbers. When you're pulling up a, a savant page, you want to see everything to the right in red. And I mean, there's, there's a lot to like, even with just kind of digging under the hood, he's hitting the ball really hard. He's walking a ton. Um, If he brings those strikeout rates uh, down a little bit, I think it's going to be a great year for Jim and
0: Yeah. And, you know i was expecting a better year i wasn't expecting this and he's been incredible uh my best performer and it's got to be wander franco and again another really easy answer hitting 313 with a 578 slugging percentage a 173 wrc plus he's already accumulated 1.4 wins above replacement on fan graphs and he looks like a true legitimate mvp candidate Mm-hmm. There's going to be a a lot of guys involved, including a healthy Byron Buxton. If he stays that way, Mike Trout is doing Mike Trout things. Like, he's, like I love Shohei, and it was incredible what he did. Unheard of what he did last year with the Angels. But I was a little irked that there were so many people saying that he was already the best player in baseball on the planet. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. he's got a teammate that's still maybe one of the best ever. And he I know he was hurt. But he's still there, and this year he's showing that he he's still performing at that level. Um. So, but I I think Franco can be in that mix, and it's a matter of health, and he's still very young, and there's probably going to be weeks or or you know stretches of games where he looks like a 21 year old and he struggles at the plate. And we saw a couple games like that last week. But the numbers he's putting up, the biggest thing for Franco, for me, is the defense. I one of my mm-hmm. I, I don't think I put it on the D Rays Bay roundtable. But one of my bold predictions for the season was that the Rays were going to end the year with Taylor Walls starting at shortstop and Wander Franco starting at third. And I just don't see that happening anymore. Um, I I think Taylor Walls is still probably a better defensive shortstop, but Wander Franco looks incredible at the shortstop position. Showing off the reins, showing off the arm, tracking those pop-ups into left field and into foul territory. That's a skill of his. He is incredibly good at that. Can read those balls right off the bat. And he's been the best player on the race. He's been one of the best players in all of baseball.
1: It's, it's, it's hard to argue against him. Um, I think it's the, we knew the, we knew the offense was there. We knew he could be a really powerhouse bat for the Rays, but we weren't sure. Not that his defense was bad by any means, but we just weren't sure where he would stick and uh, seeing him, you know, the arm has been really kind of impressive, and that kind of goes to with this quick hands on it with his bat too. Is that he just you know he picks it up, and you think there's no way he's getting him in the just a rocket over to first base with this with a G-man choice split, and uh, he gets the guy out. So it's been it's been really impressive to
0: see him at shortstop. Who has been the biggest surprise for you this season?
1: Um, <laughs> good or bad? Because <laughs> like I could I could probably do both. <laughs>
0: Well, let's start with the positive. Let's start yeah. with who's been the best good surprise this season.
1: I mean, honestly, I think I think two people come to mind um, off the top of my head. I think one is Francisco Mejia. I think in the limited time, um, he's only had twenty-four plate appearances, but he put up he's put up a one ninety-one WRC plus. Um, you know, he's three forty eight batting average, uh three thirty-three OVP and a six fifty-two slugging. Um striking out by- 30 percent not too many walks at all but really impressed with the limited um with the limited time he's had available and really impressed with his pitch calling behind the plate as well um so Francisco Mejia is my first answer and Manuel Margot is my other answer I think he has uh come in clutch a lot his defense has been has been great he's got a 96 WRC plus which is just below league average but that's really all I need him to be i don't need him to have a crazy bat but he has a league average bat with plus defense in the outfield i think that is a, a win for for us but, but i've been really um really surprised and proud of them as well
0: yeah i mean both of those guys i think are really i mean margot just more of the same like he is consistent he is very good mm-hmm. he you know he does a lot of things really well Mejia, a guy i think we really start to see blossom as a big league catcher last year and it sucks you know he went on the COVID ILs, missed a week and a half hopefully he's back soon um, I have been pretty impressed with what I've seen out of Rene Pinto. I think he's yeah. better than a lot of teams um, backups. And so to have him as a third catcher on the 40 man, really nice. My biggest surprise thus far is Harold Ramirez. He was the big right-handed bat they brought in, right? You know, after the lockout was lifted, he wasn't the right-handed bat that I think uh, Rays fans were, were hoping for, but he was the one they got and he has come in and he has performed really well. Again, only 35 plate appearances, but a 345 batting average and a 429 OBP. He's drawing walks to start the year, something that he's never really done in his career. Um, he's looked fine at first base. I don't think he's going to ever win a gold glove at that position. But, hey, that's not what he's here to do. He's here to hit. He's here to slot into the lineup against left-handed pitching in the meat of that order, right? Surrounded by guys like Randy Rosarena and Wander Franco. And he's done it seamlessly, right? So, I've been impressed with him. He's a guy that is going to stick. I wasn't convinced that he was going to stick, but it looks like he's going to be on the big league roster, barring injury for this entire season. If I had to say another one, it would be Taylor Walls. Um, hitting two fifty six yeah. but with a 4.20 OBP. Something in his big league stint last year, where I was just kind of like, this guy has a really good eye for the plate, right? And he's still going to strike out a bit. He's not going to draw as many walks as some other guys on this team, but he's got a really good eye, good bat-to-ball skills, incredible defense, And kind of replaces Joey Wendell, right, on this roster. Like his fit on this roster replaces Joey Wendell. He's done that really well to this point.
1: And, you know, kind of adding on to that, again, with his savant page, his rate is in the 100th percentile. He's like one of the top people that does not chase out of the zone. Um, And, you know, he, you know, kind of lived a bit into a slump, but his exit velocity is is pretty high in the 79th percentile. And his max exit velocity is low, but his hard hit percentage is uh, 94th percentile, which says to me, you know, that that he's going to be getting the the ball to the – or the barrel to the ball a lot more often. Um, He just needs to connect. So I'm hopefully going to see more uh, hard hit balls uh, from him. And I think a lot of times we've seen it – I feel like we've seen that for the Rays a bunch uh, over the Mariners and even the Indian – or Mariners and – um the twins series is that rays just hit you know hundred mile an hour screamers right at defenders. <laughs> so it's just it just you know they played great defense um but in, you know uh, unfortunately it was right at them but I think the results uh, will come.
0: Yeah and, and Taylor Walls that's the thing is like when he plays that level of defense he can play third, short, second if you needed him to. He doesn't need to hit all that much, right? But he has <laughs> hit a 162 WRC plus that's through fifty plate appearances. He's looking really good. I don't expect that number to stay that high, but if he continues to draw those walks, continues you know not to chase balls out of the zone, which is something I think the Rays have really scouted to in recent years in the draft and in trades, getting those guys that don't chase balls out of the zone that have really good eyes that can draw walks. Uh, it, it, it's been I think a market inefficiency that the Rays have tried to exploit. I think the rest of the league's probably coming around to it now. But Taylor Wall is one of the best at it and i think you, you, it just kind of speaks to the, the the depth of this this active roster right like anybody on this bench could start at a, on a lot of different teams around major league baseball uh slow starters so there there's been some disappointments um jared I'll, I'll let you go first who who's been a little disappointing that you think might be able to rebound here in may randy Rosarina has
1: to come around right like he 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 has to he the regression, I was talking about this with Darby, the regression, once it starts, it's going to be a freight train running through, the, running through the league because right now he's at, you know, like a 195 uh, batting average um, with a 507 OPS, which is nothing. Um, and, you know, a 55 WRC plus with striking out 30% of the time, he's not walking. So it's, it's, it's a rough rough uh you know viewing of randy rosarena um so i think he isn't you know this is this isn't the real randy Um uh, we know who the real randy is uh so i'm i'm expecting him to regress towards uh who he actually can be uh in the uh upcoming months
0: yeah for sure i'm not i'm not worried about him yet again i i know he is alcs mvp postseason hero uh rookie of the year I don't know if Randy Rosarena is the day-to-day superstar that some fans might expect him to be. Mm. And when I say that, I think he is still very, very good. Um, he is definitely good enough to be a starter on a team that's competing for the World Series year in, year out. He will be fine, don't get me wrong. But he's 27, like he's right there in his prime maybe even a little past his prime, like the the numbers he put up last year might be the best number of his of his career. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And again, still very early on, I'm optimistic that, yes, there will be regression. Of course there will be. I don't know what his numbers are going to look like for another full season of the big leagues. Again, very good. Good enough to start above, probably an above average player in the big leagues, uh, but maybe not like a perennial all-star, superstar-type talent. We shall see, though. The other one, though, that has really struggled is Mike Zanino, mm-hmm. um, the 093 batting average, 130 on base percentage. He's got the one home run. Uh, again, Zanino, a guy who last year, probably the best year of his career. And that's okay, because it was an incredible season. And a lot of guys would kill, a lot of catchers would kill to have a season like that where you hit 33 home runs in only 375 plate appearances and have a 134 WRC+. plus. He was truly one of the most valuable players in Major League Baseball. I think he was the most valuable player on that Rays team last year. And I don't expect him to put up a season like that probably ever again in his career. But where can he kind of fit in uh, between uh, the, what was it, the 46 WRC+, plus he put up in his first season with the Rays, (laughs) Uh, with the 165 batting average and only the 232 on-base percentage, where can we find that that happy medium, or maybe a little bit closer to the 2021 performance? Um, again, doesn't even need to be a league-average hitter, but can he settle in around 95 wRC plus with some pop in the bat and incredible defense? I think so, but thus far it has not looked great. With that being said, when Mejia is back, like, I do think they're going to split time more and more. I don't think uh-huh. Mejia will ever overtake Zanino in playing time unless there are some injury concerns or something else. But I think it's going to be more of a split job, and it, and it always is. Like The Rays don't have a, a starting catcher, right? You've got a catcher that plays a little bit more than the other. It wouldn't shock me if that split becomes 50-50. But are, are you worried about Zanino yet? Um, no,
1: I don't think so. And I think it's the same thing with kind of Randy and we, you know, most race fans can, can figure out what's going on. There's hitting a lot on the, on the ground. Um, A lot is being hit on the ground. 37% ground ball percentage for Zanino this year um, versus 30% last year. Um, And, you know, there it's just weak contact. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. So I'm not too worried. And like you said, I don't really need Z- Zanino to to be a huge threat in the lineup. Uh, I'm fine with him not having a great bat with his, um, defense and honestly with his, his pitch calling ability, I was really kind of, uh, impressed with his Shane, his Shane McClanahan start where they, Shane had that really bad first outing or first inning. And then he came back out and they just kind of rewrote the whole, uh, their whole plan and Shane just dominated the rest of the time. So, um, Really, uh, that's really what I need him is to to help this young pitching staff and to help with his defense. But I'm not too worried about it. Um, I think I think both him and Randall will come around.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried. It's still very early. Only a month into the season. It was a short month at that. They didn't get started till April 7th. So Mm -hmm. we head into May. Plenty of games. We'll talk about what those upcoming games look like, as well as take a look around the American League East right after this quick break. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, talking about the upcoming West Coast road trip. So the Rays will have three games against Oakland, three ge- or four games against Seattle, and three games against the Los Angeles Angels the next week and a half. And I don't know. These West Coast road trips, they're a little weird. Late start times, some shenanigans. Who knows how they're going to go. Sometimes they go incredibly well for the Rays. They'll go out and do really well against the Angels and A's. Other times, just weird things happen. So, Jared, let's kind of talk about this series. What are your expectations for these this, these upcoming ten games? You know, I think for the upcoming ten games, I think it's going to be tough, especially
1: with uh, how well the Angels are playing right now. And um, you know, the Mariners always always give us trouble. Um, and I think the series that we just played against them, even though we won that series, it was a tough. Uh, it was a tough win for all um, for the two games that they did win. Um, so I think the Mariners and the Angels are going to be tough. Um, athletics, you know, they came in and, and they did really well against the Rays here. But, um, you know, I know they have short payroll. They slashed everywhere. So I'm not really sure what to expect from the uh, athletics, really. Um, so I, I'd be I'd be happy with I'd be honestly be happy if we came back 500. Uh, from this road trip, you know. So if we do that or anything over that, I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the standings right now. Oakland has a, they're 10 and 12. They played. I mean, they came into the drop and won a series here, took three out of four. um Seattle, we just took two out of three from them, but they're t- 12 and 10. They're competitors in that division, and then the Angels, 15 and 8, one of the best records in baseball. We've they've got Shohei otani they've got Mike Trout, Taylor Ward, swinging the bat really well a team that I think is making strides this year, and if they've got Otani and Trout healthy throughout the season, they should be a postseason team. We've been saying that for a few years, though, now. And
1: Anthony Rendon. Like, I always forget that he's on that team as well.
0: Yeah, Anthony Rendon is, like, a perennial MVP candidate for the last five years in both the National League and now the American League. Uh, But, you know, people seem to forget about Anthony Rendon when he's on a team with guys like that. Like, he's quietly putting up a 120 wRC plus season. Um, That is a very talented team. The Seattle series, I don't know. I'm, I am was shocked they took two out of three at home. I have no idea what this is going to look like over the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like That's one of those where we might blink and be like, did the Mariners just sweep us in a four-game set? Mm-hmm. I, I hope not. I get a weird feeling. Like The Rays, they went 500 at home. It wouldn't shock me, especially if Wander Franco is on the IL, that this is, could be one of those weird West Coast road trips from hell and the Rays come back with like two or three wins and we're just like what just happened yeah. but those are usually followed by like incredible runs like a, you know six game winning streak at home or something like that i really hope not um i think there are some some uh question not question marks but concerns about what the pitching staff how the pitching staff is going to be able to hold up cuz there are no off days not until you get back from this trip like they're on the way or if not there already yet in Oakland that series starting tomorrow and they're playing straight through oakland seattle la over a week and a half so you'll have rasmussen go monday night tuesday is like maybe ryan Yarbrough slots in then kluber then you flip the rotation back over McClanahan, fleming rasmussen etc um but this roster crunch is real like it's happening you're gonna lose one pitcher and Mm -hmm. right now it looks like they're gonna go 14 12 split so that'll give you a nine-man bullpen Um, But in terms of guys who can provide length out of that bullpen, Jeffrey Springs, we've seen him. He threw 43 pitches in his last outing. Jalen Beeks, Phoenix Sanders. I'm a little worried, though, in terms of, like, getting these high leverage guys rested, what's going to happen over the course of a 10-game road trip? Who else is available on the shuttle? How is it going to work? So I'll predict four and six, uh, but I'm worried Hmm. that it could be a little worse than that. Uh, which is scary. Still very early. Yeah. We won't be panicking at that point, uh, but I, I'm prepared to be ripping my hair out watching these games like <laughs> night on a Tuesday. Can we
1: can we push back? Ah, uh, Ryan Yarbrough to the Seattle series. I feel like the last time he was there, he did he did really well. So maybe he can push him back to this. Well, like that's that's his series. former
0: team, right? That's where <laughs> yeah. we got him from. And like that was the one game there where he was one out away from the complete game shutout, and Kevin Cash pulled him, and everybody was like thought the world was ending. The Rays still on that game one nothing, but uh, yeah, I, I like Yarbrough in Seattle. <laughs> it seems like that is a place where he pitches really well, so may, and maybe they will, who knows, uh, and then probably <laughs> bullpen day on Tuesday yeah. Uh, because, yeah, they've been saying Yarbrough's ready to come back and then he's just not back yet. I know his, his rehab starts in Durham haven't been great, but I don't pay that much attention to him as long as he's not hurting, as long as he's healthy. Get him back up here. We could use mm-hmm. the innings. And I think the team could really use him right now to, as a guy that can pitch five, six plus innings in a start. I don't know what the first start's going to look like. Cause I think his last start in Durham was only like two and two thirds. So it wouldn't shock me if it's like four innings for him in that first start back, but just getting him back in the rotation.
1: I'll take four innings from him. And uh, yeah, I, I'll be really happy with a 500 uh, road trip. I, you know, the one thing I will say about looking forward to playing in Seattle is I'm Obsessed with that third base camera angle that moves yes. down the third baseline. So I'm excited to see some great games with that camera angle. Um, but yeah, if we come back 500, that's I I call that a win. Well,
0: old well, Jared, you'll you'll also be in attendance at one of these yes. games. What are you looking forward to going to into Angels, going to the Angels Stadium? Go, I, what is the name of their stadium too? I don't even know. I think it's the Big A. I think it's Angel Stadium. It might be, but have you I been there before? In- Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there. i actually seen the the last time
1: I was there. Uh, uh, Albert Pujols was uh, on the Angels and got to see an Albert Pujols on run. I think the race won uh, when I was there, so hopefully you can keep the streak, uh, streak going. But just looking forward to enjoying some race baseball um, and hopefully Mike Trout and Shohei and that what is now uh, so far a really great Angels team that doesn't do too much damage.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's the series I'm worried about. Like, what what, what is our pitching staff going to do against those two in the same lineup? I don't know. I've seen, and, like, Trout-Homer off the race plenty at, at the Trop. Oh, yeah. I've never been to a road game. I've never been out to Anaheim. But, um, I you know, I, I, could, I could see one or two balls ending up in the in the rocks and center field.
1: And I don't know how um what the Angels rotation uh, schedule looks like, but if I'm praying that we get to miss Shohei pitching against us because I can just see oh. him. Uh,
0: yeah, did he pitch did he against has- the Rays last year? I don't, I don't think he did. I don't I think we did. I don't think him. he did
1: either. I, I know he hit a monster, like, home run at the trop, um off of us. But, you know, it's uh, hoping we can miss him in the, miss him in the rotation. But...
0: So he's pitching Wednesday, which means he'll probably uh, pitch again on Monday yeah. or Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know if they've got him on the extra day schedule still. I know that was kind of the case last year. Uh, but either way, it sounds like we will get a piece of One Shohei Otani. Yeah. It looks like Otani, Detmers, and Lorenzen um, if the, uh, s- those three at some point would be the, ra- the starters of the Rays' face. Um, but who knows? Things change. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm curious to see how the Rays would fare against Otani. I, I'm not saying I necessarily want to see it, uh, but I, I'm curious yeah, as to what they
1: really, you know, Otani, I, I he's an incredible pitcher to watch. Um, I think if his stuff is off, it's... It's it's either when it's off, it's off, and when he's on, he's unhidable. Um, so it's just kind of what what's working for him. And I've seen him where his stuff is off and he's just relying on his other three pitches and that gets the job done for him. So um interested, I'm I'm with you. I'm interested to see how how if they do get Otani how the race handle him and how they uh how they fare against him.
0: For sure. So yeah, let's hope it's not one of those weird road trips, but I have a feeling it might be. Uh, before we raise our voices and, and, and wrap up the show, I kind of want to look around the division. Like I said, we're through the month of April now. Everybody's played 20 games. I went through the standings Baltimore 8 and 14, Red Sox 9 and 14, Rays 12 and 10, Blue Jays 15 and 8, Yankees 16 and 6. Kind of, you know, in terms of how the standings are, uh, I know probably most people had the Blue Jays or Rays atop the division, but nothing too crazy. Red Sox 9 and 14 is a little shocking. Um, Blue Jays, 8-14. and 14. I think that's about right. So I kind of want to just kind of like talk about our thoughts about each team, kind of how the division is shaping up and what we're expecting moving forward. Uh, I will say something about the Baltimore Orioles. I know it's they like I even saw some like AL East projections that were like or, or predictions that were dropped and just completely left off the Orioles, right? Okay, we know mm-hmm. they're not going to win it, uh, but there are some improvements. Like, right, I have been seeing specifically in the bullpen, uh, this is a borderline like really good bullpen. And I don't think it's going to matter because they don't have the offense or the starting pitching, especially with John Means getting Tommy John surgery. He was their only starting pitcher really worth anything, right? I mean, and to see him go down uh, is unfortunate for them. But guys like Jorge Lopez, who's got 11 and a third inning, is a 159 ERA, a K rate of 30.4%. Dylan Tate. Who have, I've always liked his stuff. 11 innings at 2.45 ERA. Felix Bautista looks really good. Some really high octane strikeout stuff. Uh, they got Joey Crebiel, was like Brett Phillips' high school teammate. He was with the Rays last year. He seems to have caught on. These guys that they're identifying, um, CNL Perez, uh, the lefty who pitched against the Rays, these just seem like, I, I, I want to say, it like Raysian moves, like these pitchers that they're bringing in. And having success, like turning Lopez into their closer, seems to be really paying off. And again, a franchise that is probably nowhere near competing. Um, Who knows what's going to happen when Adley Rutschman comes up and they've got him and Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins. If they can continue to build around those pieces, bring in some starting pitching, which will be important. But they've got the bullpen down right now, at least. And I don't know. I just wanted to say something positive about the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Jared, who's a team in the AL East that maybe you've kind of had your eye on, and, and and what have your what have your observations been?
1: It is so much fun to watch the Toronto Blue Jays. It is just they are a you know all the predictions. They're they're for me they're living up to the expectations in the preseason. But you know, Vladdy, George Springer, like you know everybody. I think I don't know if Ryu's been pitching but Jose Barrio's pitching like Kevin Gossett's been really good Kevin Gossett Bo Pachette has been you know has I really enjoyed that story of him coming out and being very open and honest uh about his mental health struggles and being that leader you know for a team especially with the legendary career his dad had I think that's just a really cool moment for him um so it's just really you know really hard not to love this Blue Jays team um I love that denim jacket with all the patches that they put on in the dugout after a big home run or, or a big hit. Um, so uh, Matt, they got Matt Chapman and it's just every Every time we turn around, there's a like blue Jays are acquiring somebody else. Um, so it's just, uh, I think they're a really fun team. Um, I watched them, you know, play. I watched them, against the Red, the Red Sox series where um, old friend Nathan Eovaldi was just dealing against them until he wasn't. And then, you know, the Blue Jays came back to tie it and then hit them. Bobachette hit a grand slam, so they just put the whole thing away. So really dangerous team. Not looking forward to them coming to the troc, um after the road trip. That's going to be another tough series after uh, that week and a half of road trips. But um, really fun team, I think. And really built built for everything. Bullpen starting pitching offense they are they are a well-rounded team
0: watching that stadium like really get to embrace that team for the first time in a few years now has been really special um again i don't love rooting for them because i think they're competing with the rays for the division title but like you said they're such an easy team to like seeing a guy like george springer who's like probably out of that core Astros team, got like, he saved face the most. And I think mm-hmm. it's because he's with this really fun Blue Jays team, right? Hitting alongside guys like like Vlad Guerrero and Bichette, and now uh, Matt Chapman and Teoscar Hernandez. It's a really fun team. Um, Yankees, I, like I said it, this team is a good enough team to win the division. And like mm-hmm. a lot of people were down on them. A lot of people thought Aaron Boone should have been fired. Um, but they just didn't have the right pieces to get it done. But you go back to the moves they made at the deadline last year. What worried me about those was not even necessarily last season. It was how it was going to set them up for this season. Bringing in guys like Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. I know Joey Gallo has really struggled this season. I'm still a Joey Gallo guy. I know Yankees fans are about fed up with him.
1: If they give up on him, you know, he has always come to the Rays. Yes, (laughs) we will take him.
0: We will take him for sure. But the guy that has stood out out this this season and has been put up maybe the best numbers in the American League is Anthony Rizzo. He's got nine home runs. He's got a 391 on-base percentage, a 210 WRC+, and 1.1 wins above replacement as a first baseman. I mean, Anthony Rizzo, I hate to say it, but, like, Sounds like a perfect Yankee. You know, the name, yeah. like that, that Italian American name, mm-hmm. right there in Yankee Stadium, hitting left handed with the short porch, playing first base for the Yankees, like it kind of just makes too much sense, right? And he's there and he's killing it. And I'm really worried about the Yankees now in the division as well. I always was like I thought maybe like raising blue jays from and for me personally, like virtual tie beginning of the season, then the Yankees were right there and mm-hmm. well within the margin of error where any three of those teams could win the division. Um, Nestor Cortez.
1: I love Nestor Cortez. And like, on the Yankees, he's just... It's, he's... I, yeah, I, I, watching him pitch is, is great because you're not really expecting this. Like, when he throws it, you're like, oh, okay. And then it's just, he just... He works. He locates uh, his pitches really well. Um, and, yeah, he just... It, yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I enjoy watching him probably more than uh, Garrett Cole, but that's just because <laughs> I don't like Garrett Cole. That's just
0: me. Garrett Cole has turned into like a very, uh, vill- uh, very much a villain in Major League Baseball. Mostly it's like... Perfect, like on to, the,
1: perfect on the 80s. <laughs>
0: yeah, like very much due to a lot of the things he has said and done going back to like last year, how he handled his press conferences after the Sticky Stuff ban, or the Sticky Stuff crackdown, I should say. It was always banned. Uh, and then this year on opening day, he's complaining about the delayed start time. Like, I don't know, man, it's, it's opening day. You should expect a delay. You you've been there, done this before. Uh, and then like immediately get shelled by the Red Sox. He's still putting up really good numbers. Great strikeout stuff has a three ERA, a three, three, two XFIP. Very good. One of the best in the American league, but Nestor Cortez, who was a revelation, I think last year for the Yankees. What I want to say about Nestor Cortez is I think that Yankees fans like treat him like this, like gimmick. They're like, "Oh, look at this, like you know, guy that's got the cool mustache and rides the subway." Like, <laughs> oh, it's cool that he's having a good run. But I just want to be like, no, Nestor Cortez is very good, and you should like yeah. credit your front office for identifying players like him. Now, that's another thing about the Yankees is like you you hear A Rod talk about the Yankees and how you know they're not the Rays and they don't have to do things like the Rays do the Yankees are one of the most analytically driven organizations in all of baseball. And that's what helps them identify a pitcher like Nestor Cortez, who has been incredible for the last, like if you take like his second half last year or wherever he really started to turn it on. And then this year he's been one of the better pitchers in the American league. uh, And it's for real. I think like, I think he's good. And I think the
1: most amazing thing is that his sinker tops out at 91. Like, You know, it's a, a cutter at eighty-five, um, you know, ch- or change up a slight, like doesn't throw overpowering stuff, but it just it just works for him. He like I said, he locates it really well, and when he needs to get a ground ball, he gets a ground ball. He's just he's been a really, uh, I think, a really great pitcher for them.
0: Yeah, last year had ninety-three innings in a two-nine ERA, almost ten Ks per nine, and the walks per nine at two point four. This year, the K-9 has gone through the roof. If you look at yeah. his strikeout rate, once I find it, 35.9%. Uh, 30, yeah, yeah, 36%. The walk's way down. And again, I don't think those numbers are sustainable for a guy like Nestor Cortez, but those starts, like those are real, can't take those back. Mm-hmm. He's been really good this year. And the Yankees are now like, I'm very worried, right? Like, I'm still confident that the Rays are going to be in the mix for the division, but I'm not confident they're going to win it. How can you be? With how competitive this division has been. The only team that's disappointed thus far out of the AL East has been the Boston Red Sox.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: can talk about them nine and fourteen. I didn't think they were great like coming into the year. I didn't think they were I didn't think this was a four-team race. I didn't expect them to be struggling like this. Uh, but eventually I think they'll find themselves in a wild card race once again, maybe for that third spot. Like maybe you see a situation where the Red Sox are trying to be fourth team in the american league east to make the postseason that's something that's never happened that would be
1: that would be crazy
0: (laughs) do you have have any thoughts on the red sox and their start
1: i mean yeah i think i'm with you it's a it's kind of a disappointing uh start especially with you know acquiring trevor story um and really kind of beefing up their uh their offense um but you know it's uh, i i think they'll come around and i think it you know unfortunately might see a four-team race for either division or uh, a three-team race for, for some wild cards, uh, for, for two wild card spots or three wild card spots.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the pitching. Uh, I think they've got some good arms. Michael Walk has looked good for them thus far Avaldi. The, the bullpen is struggling. That's been kind of the biggest thing, and they've got some performers at the top of their lineup. They lack the depth. I think mm-hmm. to get to where they want to be. And I know they were in the ALCS. They were two games away from the world series last year, but to compete for division titles and to now compete for like those top two spots. Like that's really where teams want to be now. Right. Uh, to get that buy to go right into the divisional series. You don't have to play those random, I guess they're calling them wild card rounds um, for the, the, the wild cards and the last division winner. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the Red Sox are just not there yet, and I don't know what it's going to take to get there. They're probably going to have to go out and spend some more in free agency. The Trevor Story move I really liked, even though he struggled a little bit offensively. He looks really good at second base. Almost was say, a, like he, he, he be a shortstop. He was,
1: he, was a, he was a really good defenseman. He's been really great on defense, so um, that, that's been a positive sign to see. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the, their star, which um, – you know, it's probably mean they're going to go on a tear soon and, and be right back in
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, this, this this season very, very early still. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting in the month of May. Pitchers are really looking like they're stretched out. It's going to feel more like a, a normal season to this point. I know the, the first few weeks of April uh, was kind of some weird baseball. So I think things will start to normal, normalize, and we're, we're going to see a very interesting race in the American League East. We'll probably do another update similar to this at the end of May to see maybe the standings are flipped. I don't know. Maybe that Baltimore bullpen carries them into first place, <laughs> and it's the Rays and Reds, Rays and Yankees trying to stay out of the cellar of the American League East. Uh, but we'll take one more quick break, and on the other side, Jared and I will raise our voices about some uh, things we've noticed and uh, some observations we've made and some opinions we want to share on the podcast here on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, and it's time for Jared and I to raise our voices. We're doing, I think, a couple different topics. We both have some things we want to share. I want to start by uh, acknowledging this ticket price discourse on Raise Twitter, and I think I saw it on Reddit. There were a couple threads about it. There were some complaints that the Raise last weekend, when the Red Sox were in town, if you looked at the cheapest ticket, for all 30 teams that are 15 teams that weekend that were hosting games, the Rays had the second the second most expensive, cheapest ticket, uh, second only to the Dodgers who were hosting the Padres. It was $35. Uh, those were the outfield and the corner seats. Uh, lower bowl is still the only area that remains open, or in the, the 200 level as well. Uh, some fans saying it's it's too expensive, and I understand that, right? Like, Thirty-five dollars, especially if you've got a family. You add parking. You add concessions. Uh, that's 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 a very expensive night out with your family, or even for a couple, or even for one person. Who cares? It's it's expensive. Thirty-five dollars there, twenty dollars to park, probably fifteen to twenty dollars to drink and that or to eat and drink, and that's not including any alcoholic purchases, not including any trips to the team store or any other expenses. Uh, maybe the dollar 75 to get over the bridge whatever it is um but with that being said th- the upper deck isn't open and you can criticize the rays for whether or not they should open it um, you're paying 35 dollars for pretty decent seats every seat in the lower bowl is a decent seat at the trop i love sitting in left field i paid the 35 i ended up being like 42 after fees Last weekend, first seat in the outfield. And you know what? I think the product that the Rays put on the field, especially when you're hosting a team like the Boston Red Sox, it's warranted. And I'm sorry. Like, I think I get it. I, I completely get it. But I, I, I think it sounds a little bit just like unnecessary complaining when Rays fans don't want to pay 35 bucks to go see a big rivalry at the TROP in decent seats. Again, complain all you want about them closing the upper deck, whether or not that's them restricting attendance, which I don't think it is. I don't know what the the numbers look like business-wise, whether or not they're saving money or whether or not they could be making a ton more money. I will say, however, that let's look at the numbers attendance-wise against the Red Sox. You had 17,000 on on Friday, 19,000 on Saturday, and 21,000 on Sunday. That feels a lot better when everybody is, like, contained in the lower bowl in this press level than, like, spread out across the massive 300 level. And then you've got, like, huge pockets of, like, empty seats in the outfield and down the baselines. And, like, it just makes the stadium more quiet. It feels – it's just a better atmosphere when everybody's in that 100 and 200 level. And I think the party deck's open on some days. I don't think it was open last weekend. I, I didn't remember it being open. It was open this weekend. Bark at the park was today. It was open then, uh, but comparing that to this weekend against Minnesota, um, so you have cheaper tickets. The cheapest ticket that I saw was twenty dollars, and I think that was for the party deck. Uh, it's not improving attendance, right? So you had Friday night against Boston, seventeen thousand. Friday night against the Twins, ten thousand. Saturday against Boston, you had nineteen thousand. Saturday against the Twins, you had eighteen point eight thousand. Uh, Today's numbers were like 14,000 compared to 21,000 last Sunday against Boston. Uh, So it's not improving attendance to have slightly cheaper tickets. Um, We're still seeing in these midweek series really low attendance numbers. If you're not playing a division rival or a big interleague game uh, or a big market team like the White Sox, I don't expect these – midweek games against the Mariners or the Orioles to really ever exceed 10,000, which is sad, but I think expected at this point, i um, all, all three of the games against the Mariners this week were below 10,000. And I try not to talk about the stadium. I try not to talk about attendance that much on this podcast, but I just saw a lot of people complaining and I'm just like, it's okay. $35 for a ticket against the Red Sox. Look around the league for the seats that they're offering. It's not like you're paying $35 to sit up in the last row yeah you can get a ten dollar ticket to wrigley f- field but it's probably obstructed view you can get a ten dollar ticket to fenway park but it's going to be way out in right center field where you can't see the players like these are good seats a good team and a big rival in town 35 dollars, that's warranted we, we should stop complaining as race fans that that's just me raising my voice personal opinion uh, jared i know you're you want to raise your voice about something more baseball related so please please go ahead yes so
1: I know, especially with this series uh, against the Twins, uh, where we we lost two out of three, offense is looking not great. I even mentioned that in my recap, and the offense is ice cold. However, um, I I want to say that the the offense is okay, and this is without without what like we said earlier, Mike Zanino, Randy Rosarena, Brandon Brandon Lau having a below average bat. Uh, but if you look at WRC plus, this is across the league. the Rays have one hundred and sixteen, so sixteen percent above uh, league average. that's good for fit, five in the league, out of the whole league. Um, <laughs> and now if you're looking at the upcoming uh, road series, it's not good because the teams ahead of them are the number one, angels, number two, Yankees, number three, the Mets, and number four, Seattle. <laughs> so um, but, you know, if we talk about Randy or Mike uh, Zanino, um, and even Brandon Lau, if any of those three guys get hot on the series, um, and you know, we have we have Wander not on the IL list. I think um, you know it's it, it's good sign moving forward that we're in the top five in the league right now in offense, and that's with a rumored, you know, and not as a, a home or happy ball as well. Um, and that even if you look at um, you know strikeout percentage um striking out the race is striking out a 24% uh clip which is let me uh you know higher in the league but that's okay they're uh, they're walking a, a bunch but even the pitching so the other thing I want to talk about is the pitching because uh, that pitching has again not looked great Josh Fleming got lit up um that's that's today right I'm getting all my days confused you he yeah Fleming
0: just today yeah.
1: yeah yeah um you know and so and we having all these all these pitching injuries and having to kind of piece together games, but even the even the pitching has looked fantastic. Um, ERA for overall for both starters and uh, relievers is I believe top ten. I'm going to pull that up right now. Fangraphs. Uh, yeah, number eight. We have a three uh, three point one eight ERA uh, for the league. We're eighth uh, in the league uh, for both starters and relievers. The strikeout percentage has been insane for the Rays. I think Shane uh, Shane McClanahan has something to help with that, but even so, K-rate of uh, 9.59 strikeouts per nine innings. It's good for uh, top five in the league as well. It's ahead of the Yankees, ahead of the Dodgers, uh, Milwaukee, New York, Chicago White Sox, and Atlanta are the ones ahead of them. And even if you look at walk rate, and if you want to say like, oh, like, you know, the starters versus the relievers, you know, we've had Drew Rasmussen, Go deep in the game, Shane McLean, go deep in the game. So even if we look at the relievers, um, it is still t- uh, top 10. So uh walk rate for the Rays overall for all their relievers is top five. Again, uh, only walking 2.79 batters per uh, per nine innings. Um, and then let's go to relie- just, just the relievers. Uh, relievers ERA, I believe
0: was top 10 when I looked at it. Yeah, they're, they're up there for sure.
1: And, I mean, it helps that they didn't give up a run for, those, for all those innings Yeah, 2. Uh, 2.99 ERA for the Rays relievers, uh, striking out 24% of the batters. Uh, that is good for seventh in the league, um, hovering around S- uh, St. Louis and Houston. Um, so I'm honestly very impressed with um, – because even for me, I kind of got caught in that, oh, man, the offense is looking bad. We're getting lit up. Um, but the offense looks great, and that's with that's without uh, three of our top performers. that's with that's with Brandon Lau, Mike Zanino, and Randy Rosarina underperforming. Um, so I'm not too worried about the offense. and not too worried about the pitching, um especially hopefully we can get some of those uh, injured pitchers back with uh, maybe Ryan Yarbrough coming back in. Um, you know, hopefully G Man Troy is not uh, out for too long. But um, you know the Rays always find a way. Um, we they we actually are off to a better start. I actually tweeted out uh, a few weeks ago we were best start in three years because we didn't start. I think it was five and seven. We started the past two years and we won the division. We were uh, I think six and six and seven or six and six at that point. So um, you know we're off to off to a, a great start. I think it'll it'll work out for the Rays.
0: I I think you're just saying, like, this is a good team. And this is a team a really that good team. is a lot of the same pieces as last year, specifically the offense, right? Like, this is a team that was second in all of baseball behind Houston, who were uh, the American League champions last year in runs scored. The Rays obviously won 100 games and a big part of their offense. This is a team that historically hasn't been known for their great offenses, but now they've got one. And you look at – you get a full season of Wander Franco this year. Uh, last year, you know, as great as he was, he only played in half the games uh, and, and some other guys that you brought in. that I think kind of really even with with the loss of Austin Meadows that really kind of fill in those gaps and and, and and bring this team up. I don't know if they'll be second in runs again, uh, but like you said, the 116 WRC Plus, they're, they're hitting right now. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and they're walking a bunch. They're nine and a half percent walk rate, uh, which is eight top ten yeah. in the league. So a lot of categories. Um, I think if you're more traditional, you're looking at runs and RBIs. They're right in the middle, but um, you know, runners in scoring position. Uh, but I still think you know you walk a ton. We know they're going to strike out a ton. That's that's nothing new for the Rays. Um, but I think the offense is it's going to hopefully get a, get even better. But um, there's nothing to worry about.
0: Yeah, this is this is a good team. And we're a month through the season, and I've had a lot of fun watching the first uh, yes. 20, 22 games now, right? 12 and 10 could be better, could be a lot, lot worse. And good. injury, I'll just keep keep fingers crossed for health, right? Like if this team stays healthy, they're going to win 90-plus games. And it's like, can they get to 95? Can they inch closer to 100? That's the and, question. And,
1: and really what we need is to get, to just kind of stay around that 500 or maybe a little bit above to the halfway mark. As we, you know, hopefully Shane Boz, you know, he'll be yes. limited in his innings. Shane Boz will be back. Nick Anderson will be back. JT, uh, I can never pronounce his last name.
0: Uh, or Shagwa. Shagwa,
1: yes, thank you. Um, hopefully he'll be back. Uh, Yanni Torinos. we haven't heard that name in, in forever. Um, he still there, he's right? still <laughs> there, yeah Yeah, he's still, he's still here. Um, but, and rumors of a Tyler Glasnow appearance in August um yeah. so who who knows what could happen but i just think we need to get to that Luis patino on the 60 day il so if everything goes according to plan you know obviously there's setbacks and things like that but a lot of great pitching and a lot of uh is still on the il um so i think if we can if we can kind of piece together a 500 a little bit above 500 staying in that third second third place in the in the american league east uh i think the second half will be uh, a
0: lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, Jared, uh, th- thank you for, for coming on today, raising your voice, talking about this team. And hopefully, you know, next time you're on, we, we go on that big run, we get healthy, and we're, we're looking at down at the other four teams in the American League East. I'm
1: looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. If you like what we do, leaving a rating and a review wherever you are listening to this on your preferred podcast platform, that's the best way to spread what we do to more and more Raise fans. You can also drop a comment on the write-up for this podcast on DRaceBay.com. If you have got a question for the show or maybe something you'd like to hear me and a guest talk about on the next episode, please do so and check out all of the other great coverage on DRaceBay.com. The recaps are back for every game. I know Jared's in the rotation for that. I'll be joining the recap rotation as well very soon and tons of other great content on the site to get you through this 2022 season. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week.